Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And welcome to episode 177 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me... Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, I'm very, very well, thanks. What have you been up to recently? Like I told you, um, I've I've been off work a little bit because, uh, you know, I've got a shoulder sling. I've dislocated my shoulder, but we're all fine now on the mend. (laughs) Um, But it's good because I've been been able to check out a lot of stuff on uh, Netflix and uh, play some video games. I I think last time I told you I was playing the new Spider-Man game or maybe, I don't know if we talked that soon. I can't remember whether, but yes, I've played that as well. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Played the whole thing now. Uh, it's really, really good. I uh, really enjoyed it. Definitely worth a go. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the expansion stuff to come out before I go back to it, I think. Yeah, I was saying it's a shame because Red Dead Redemption comes out, I think, the 25th of this month. Yeah. Um, so if I could have dislocated my shoulder two weeks later... <laughs> Maybe I'll do it again. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Accidentally running uh, into walls. Yes. Yeah. And it just happens to be that weekend. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, after Spider-Man, I've been playing God of War on PlayStation. Right. New- yes. I haven't tried that yet. I was sort of waiting for it to come down a bit in price. So it's, uh, Yeah. It's strange. It's very strange. I was expecting... Like, I played God of War's you know yes gods of war and it's like that in some ways but it's also not like so what i'm expecting is like a third person action adventure situation sort of like maybe a tomb raider or something like that um, yeah. maybe maybe an uncharted where there's a bit of platform and a bit of fighting and stuff obviously not with guns but yeah um and it, it it is that but the camera is very close to him which is odd in a few ways because first of all if someone comes up behind you you can't really see that and um, right. so you have to manage that which is an extra layer but also the whole thing feels a bit more intimate and you're a bit closer to him and his emotions and stuff and that's really good because you know he's got this son that he's taking around with him and yeah. um, and it, it does feel very close but in certain situations like in combat that creates an extra challenge as well but yeah it's really good so far good I, I will pick that up at some point I think yeah um, I mean like people rave about it and I wasn't sure how it would be but yeah it's really good yeah. um, on Netflix then I've been watching Better Call Saul as you know for the past since it's been on yes. uh, I just a few minutes ago I finished the um, the latest of this series
series till Tuesday. Yes. Um, but yeah, still still terrific, still really good. Yeah, I've been really enjoying this series. I think they've they've been doing a great job with it. If you want to know more, if you're a fan of of that show, Matt and I do a weekly podcast, which will will of course end this week because it's the final episode uh, that goes out on yeah. Wednesdays on EntertainmentTalk.org. If you want to go and find <laughs> that, really love this series. It's it's been superb. There's it, it's getting towards being Breaking Bad good in little places. Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know how much you know about this, but I, I think I'd like it to end soon. The whole thing. I think I've got maybe one or two in me. But. Yeah, I, I think, I, I suspect they won't drag it on much longer than yeah. that. I mean, it, it's getting to the stage where I think you could probably get a couple more seasons out of it, but I think dragging it on much longer than that would seem like they're trying to stretch it just for the sake of it. And so I, I think one or two more seasons would do it. Yeah, um, yeah. also watching The Good Place, which I know you enjoy. Yes, um, yes. Sort of two, I think brilliant. we're two or three episodes in, but yeah, really good, terrific return to form. Yes, uh, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I, I love the way that show evolved through every single season as I said before we try not to talk too much about The Good Place because anything you say about it will end up being a spoiler so uh, normally sitcoms follow like a they always come back to the the flat line right and they always come back to the to normal to zero Um, but this one really jumps around in ways you don't expect and finally uh, Big Mouth season 2 came out I don't know if you watched Big Mouth Dave I've seen I think the first couple of episodes of it and it it was quite good I just there were so many other things on at the time it's just one that i've not got back to but uh, yeah. yeah no it was it was really good i know you were a huge fan of the first season of this yeah it's terrific so this is uh nick cole who is from oh hello on broadway and um you know all sorts of different things the league that sort of thing yeah. and it's a animated comedy about teenagers going through puberty and, and sort of their struggles with that it's not like a thing for kids though no no <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's it's terrific. It's really good. Um, we were talking about this the other day, actually, and whether what what time is right to watch it as a person. So obviously, I'm 24. You know, this wasn't yeah. that long ago for me. And yeah. so I really like it. A lot of it is quite real, but they're, you know, it's still different because like nowadays kids have phones and stuff and we didn't have like yes. Instagram and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting to think like how old you are when you watch something like this and how yeah. that affects the viewing of it. Yes, of course. Like you know, bit- when I was in school, having to use abacuses and that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or on the cave walls and things. Yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be interested if you watch the series to know sort of from your viewpoint as, as someone who's older than me, what, what that's like to you. Yeah, also, yeah. It's very unafraid of things like sex and gender and things like that. It's really unafraid of that sort of thing, mm. um, which I think because it's a cartoon, it helps that. But you don't really get much of that in TV. Or well, you're getting more and more now. But historically, you yeah. Don't get that. Um, so it's, yeah, so I'd be interested in your take. I, I will go back and try and watch some more of it because I, I did really enjoy the episodes I saw. I just I need to go back and see a bit more of it. I think. Sure. How about you then, Dave? What have you got going on? Mainly TV, really. I've I've been dealing with. Although there was one film, and decided to go and see Venom this week. And I mean, I I didn't have high hopes for this movie because I love the trailer. <laughs> the trailer looked great. I then saw all the reviews come out of it almost immediately you know after it launched and the amount of people saying oh it's a complete mess some people saying well it's a mess but it's quite good fun yeah honestly i i disagree with almost all of that i mean it's <laughs> no it's not a great film it is no it's not good fun <laughs> it, it, it is i mean it it is good fun i i yeah I, I mean i would say it is definitely a a fun film i don't think it's that much of a mess actually i think the story holds together well enough 
it's it's not to the quality that you would necessarily want it to be. It's no worse than some of the DC stuff that's been out recently, <laughs> which I know is, is pro- I, yeah, I know he's arguably low bar, but but it's it's I mean it's fairly formulaic, you know, and uh, I, I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say that it ends with two large, equally powered people beating the hell out of each other, which is the way that a lot of superhero movies yeah. end these days. I mean, Black Panther, which was a great film, I did that way. So, you know, uh, but... Yeah. Definitely. So I think it's very formulaic in the way it's put together. There are some good comedy moments in it. It's slightly irritating that they they didn't have the balls to make it an 18. Yeah. I think that would have done a lot more for it had they made it an 18 and turned it into kind of their Deadpool. I, yeah, I, and also Venom's capable of some horrible stuff, you know, with, with like the, the way his body, you know, yeah. with all the tendrils and stuff. That you yeah. should get some nasty stuff out of that. Yeah, and I mean, there are some bits in there but i just don't feel like they pushed it as far as they possibly needed to Mm. you know i I think you could have played that up a lot more you could have made it an 18 you could have played it up a lot more if they'd had the guts to actually do that i think that would have made it a better movie because you could have played around with the nastier side of venom or you know i don't know venom that well as a character but my understanding is they've probably altered you know he's he's more of a a hero rather than an anti-hero by the end of it and and that doesn't sort of sit quite right to the venom that i was aware of in the comics but i I mean i could be wrong about that but my my feeling is that they could have played up that sort of anti-hero stuff a little bit more and Mm. it would have been better had they had the freedom of an 18 to do that but i think you know if you want to go out and get it when it comes out on home release it's a good popcorn saturday night movie I think you know, I've I've seen much much worse. Tom Hardy's <laughs> incredibly watchable in it. The interaction between Tom Hardy and and Tom Hardy actually as Eddie Brock and Venom because he voices both apparently. Yeah, the interaction between those two characters is actually quite good. It's funny and it's entertaining. I just wanted a bit more of it, you know. Yeah. So um, I definitely say it's worth going to see maybe maybe you know if you don't fancy going to the cinema to to see it certainly when it comes out on home release it's worth a watch other things this week uh man in the high castle that came back for its third season for those of you that that haven't uh watched man in the high castle for a while because like season two was off i think it was probably over 12 months ago or at least 12 months since it's been on there is a recap video that is up on youtube made by amazon and it's like half an hour long and it recaps caps everything from the first two seasons it's quite useful that because there are things yeah. in there that you completely forget happened so <laughs> it's it's quite handy that video because i actually was going to start to watch it and then and then i was like i need to remind myself and then found that so it's a season one and two recap actually done by amazon which is up on youtube i would advise going to watch that first it's it's worth going to watch yeah i think that's one of the things netflix particularly does terrifically is, yeah. i mean we will i forgot to mention this but we also watched season two of american vandal which is terrific oh and yeah you forget so much of the like you said the little details that are willing be, will be important or might be important later but you just forgot them because they're not part of the main plot yeah um, yeah really handy things like that yeah so um man in the eye castle back for its third season starts to sort of delve a little bit more into where the films are coming from what they're using them for how they're getting hold of the films that sort of stuff because you know the whole thing is about these films that show a sort of alternate reality where the Nazis didn't win the war. Yeah. Because you know, in the reality that they're in, the Nazis did. So <laughs> it sort of explains a little bit more about that and goes into a bit more depth about that, which is really good.
good. And uh, the other thing I've been watching, Counterpart as well, which is on Stars Play, the uh, Amazon add-on channel. That's really good. I, I've been very much enjoying that. Stars J.K. Simmons as a guy who works at a government organization, very secretive. He's basically an interface with what he thinks are, are other secret organizations. And they sort of, you know, he goes in, sits at a booth. They have each have sealed packets. They open them and then say code phrases to each other and then get up and, and leave and then hand the code phrases back off to somebody who obviously must know what they mean. So, you know, it's a fairly boring, mundane job. And uh, he then gets roped into this conspiracy, which he comes face to face with a person that looks exactly like him. And it's explained that what he's actually working in is a place that interfaces with an alternate reality. And his alternate from the other universe has come across to this one to chase a serial killer. So wow. that sounds pretty good. So that that's the basic premise of it. There's actually, uh, I think it was initially commissioned for two seasons. So there is another season of that coming fairly soon. I don't know when that's going to land on Stars Play over here, but season one is on Stars Play. So uh, worth going to watch that. And uh, Doctor Who, of course, came back last night. Thought it was a fabulous opening episode. Really, really good. Jodie is superb. Really solid as the Doctor. The whole gender thing, as many people I think have been saying that got previews and stuff, the gender is really a non-issue at this point. She is playing the Doctor and it's it very much the character that we know with a, a nice little different twist on it. It's an interesting new group of companions she got varying in ages and, and with various different sort of backgrounds and stuff. It's a really solid opening episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Apparently, viewing figures wise she actually beat out the debuts of the three previous doctors wow um, she's she's the highest debuting doctor since chris eccleston bought the franchise back so uh can't whether, be bad, can I? no so that's a great start and uh, whether that continues i don't know but i mean overall from most of the stuff i've seen online it seems very very positive so i'm really happy about that i'm very happy for it you know and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it next but it's it, you know it's a good sort of shot in the arm for the franchise i think the debut you this week is sort of double what the average was for Peter Capaldi's last season. So it was 8.2 million, I think it was, and Peter yeah. Capaldi's average was like four point something. So we'll see whether it maintains that. But uh, even if it goes down a little, that's still a very, very strong start for Jodie. So I'm very happy about that. That's all the stuff I've been doing this week and uh, Ross has been doing. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news this week. We'll start off with some renewals, cancellations and pickups, or, or rather non-pickups, as quite a <laughs> lot of these are this week. First of all, you know the uh, Lethal Weapon series. Yeah. And you know all the problems that they had with Clayne Crawford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and all the rigmarole around him being fired and all that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. and people being up in arms. Now Damon Waynes has quit the show. <laughs> oh, gosh. So they've not only <laughs> lost Riggs, they've lost Murtar as well now. Damon Waynes didn't tell anybody beforehand that he was going to do it. He he did an interview and came out and basically said, I'm a 58-year-old diabetic working 16-hour days, citing that as one of the reasons. He also said, though, last week my mother had surgery, my daughter had surgery, and I had to look both of them in the eye and say, I can't be there. It's hard for me to play a loving, supporting father, husband, friend on TV and be the guy that's telling everybody, I can't, I have to work. So it, it just sounds like the schedule for the show is getting to him. And it is like that with US dramas because he's done sitcoms before, but he's never done this yeah. is the first kind of full drama he's ever done. And 
the problem with dramas is they do day shoots, they do night shoots, they shoot all hours. Whereas a sitcom is much more of a nine to five job, yeah. you know, because they have audiences and, you know, they, they shoot at very specific times. Whereas with this, it tends to be any and all hours for it. And it sounds like he just, just not coping with it, which is yeah, slightly annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable, but it's slightly annoying given that he was sort of instrumental in getting Clay fired. And if he was going to leave now <laughs> anyway... Keep the other guy in. Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of people saying, well, yeah, if this was going to happen, why didn't you just leave then? So, yeah, it's kind of irritating. We don't know what Warner Brothers and Fox are going to do yet. I think this has probably killed the show, Mm. but we don't know at the moment. They've got 13 episodes for this season. There was talk of them adding a couple more. Whether that will happen now, we don't know. Over on this side of the pond, ITV have yet to pick up season three. They are delaying the decision based around what happens with this season. So, I mean, they don't run it until January anyway, so they've got a few months to decide whether they are going to take it or not. They have first refusal on it, so if they want to pick it up, it's theirs for the taking, but at the moment, they haven't actually bought it. It's a bit of a wait and see to see whether that season shows up. It may or may not. Hopefully find out one way or the other before the end of the year. Um, Over on 5 USA, they have dropped Channel Zero. That was the horror anthology series. So if you were hoping to see the uh, I think they've actually two seasons that were behind on that three came out earlier this year and four is due out on Halloween and uh, Five USA have said that they're not picking it up so uh, that's not coming back Sci-Fi also won't be showing the final season of 12 Monkeys which is somewhat annoying I was going to say that seems a shame for the last season yeah I mean it's the same thing happened with things like uh, The Strain they mm. they didn't show the I mean it, The Strain eventually went out and got bought by uh, I think Sky picked it up for On Demand and they dumped it out on demand so we might get the same thing happening with 12 monkeys but at the moment it's in limbo so that final season won't air i think it's on netflix as well though so it will probably come on to there eventually but we'll have to wait and see and rick and morty has left netflix uk which is kind of annoying as you said it's also a shame isn't it yeah rick and morty i i think there was some disagreement with the guys at adult swim about the amount of money that they were asking for for the next seasons of rick and morty because it got renewed for like 70 odd episodes or something yeah and uh, there appears to have been some disagreement over the the price for it so they decided not to renew the contract at all and uh, it is now not airing on Netflix I think it's aired on Comedy Central and on Fox over here so there are other places it will go and I have no doubt that somebody will take the new episodes when they arrive next year but for now it won't be on Netflix that may change at some point but yeah, in the moment it went. Hope so. Uh, on to slightly better news. <laughs> Strike, the uh, Cormorant Strike series written by J.K. Rowling under her pseudonym of Robert, whatever it is, Gil Braffy or something. <laughs> that is coming back for a fourth season, be sometime next year, which I'm very happy about because the first three seasons of that were absolutely excellent. It's a superb drama. And uh, I think it's, it's three or four episodes they're doing this in. So uh, apparently it's quite a big book, this one. So rather than trying to squish it into two episodes, they're going to give it a little bit of space to breathe. So that's quite good. And uh, Netflix have picked up Titans, the DC Universe series. We don't have an air date for that yet. I mean, it comes out in DC Universe on October 12th. Don't know whether it's going to end up suddenly appearing because Netflix haven't said anything about the air date for it other than coming soon. So whether there's going to be a bit of a gap between 
it going out on DC Universe and it coming out on Netflix. We don't know. But Netflix have picked that up. They've also renewed it for a second season. That does, of course, mean that it's highly unlikely we're going to see DC Universe over here anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, it's a shame. But, I mean, we're getting some of it. Yeah. And the fact that they've picked up this, I think, means that there's a very strong likelihood as long as this goes okay, they'll pick up Doom Patrol as well. We don't know what else they might pick up, whether they'll pick up the other shows. I mean, I would love them to pick up all the original series. Yeah. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people hoping for the uh, the new um, Young Justice series. So there seems to be a lot of interest in that. So with any luck, they'll pick up that as well. But we'll see. So those are all the kind of quick things. The other big thing that happened this week was New York Comic Con, which was on for four <laughs> days at the end of the week. And so we're not going to say anything about that. Moving swiftly so, on. Yeah, yeah, moving swiftly on. The <sighs> amount of news that came out in New York Comic Con. I, I don't remember New York Comic Con being quite this big in previous years. But the, so much stuff came out. I guess it's because it's the time of year and we're sort of end of September, start of October, all these new shows coming out, yeah. all the mid-season stuff, all the stuff coming out at the start of next year. There's so many things. So um, we're going to go through a few of the, uh, the stories from that. First up, The Umbrella Academy which is the Netflix series based on the comic book. That's uh, had a, not a trailer, but it did have a bunch of character posters go up. And uh, 15th of February, that's going to land on Netflix. This was always an interesting one because the illustration in the comic book is very stylized and specific. So I was sort of wondering how this is going to translate over. And from what I can see in the character posters, they've done a fairly good job of uh, translating it across. Don't know what it will look like sort of movement wise but you know i i think it's the comic book's great so it's going to be a very interesting series this is the thing about a a group of children who are are sort of brought together by this billionaire industrialist and uh he dies and they end up sort of coming back together for his funeral and the family's sort of all scattered across the world and this is sort of the first time these people have have seen each other in a very long time and it ends up with a sort of big crisis happening whilst they're all together and and they sort of have to start to work as a team again which is what you know they've sort of all fallen out so uh yeah i i I thought this was this looked like it could be uh really quite good yeah did you see the character posters for this yeah yeah i've just got them up yeah these the ones that they've got the numbers on yeah so there were seven kids i think in total so there's tom hopper who you'll know from uh he played dick on tarly in game of thrones but he was also very well known as percival in uh, merlin as well and he was in black sails so he's playing luther space boy david castaneta who's playing diego who's also known as the kraken he's popped up in various tv shows like blind spot and lie to me and uh, jane the virgin he was in as well emily raver lampman who is playing the rumor who's mainly a stage a stage actress this is sort of the first thing she's really done on screen you've got robert sheenan who i think most people over here will know from misfits and fortitude um, yeah. he's fabulous and he's he's once again playing the sort of drug addict lovable mess type character so uh I, not that he's typecast or anything but that really <laughs> suits him down to the ground so uh, i'm very happy to see him doing that role aiden gillian who is probably best known for uh, nicky ricky dicky and dawn the uh Nick Nickelodeon series he's playing number five which is actually a 58 year old man trapped in a 13 year old boy's body (laughs) number six the horror I love the poster for that it's basically got the picture ripped off on the poster because he's he's basically been killed off at some point but we don't know when and uh, Ellen Page, who's playing Vanya, who is the sort of black sheep of the family because she has no apparent abilities whatsoever. Certainly when we first meet her, 
that may change, I think it's fair to say. So, uh, but Ellen Page, of course, Kitty Pride in X-Men and was in Juno and Inception and all those. So yes, there's uh, there's character posters up on the website for that if you want to go and look at those. But uh, I think that looks very promising. The Walking Dead panel was the other thing. We knew that John Berthold was going to come back as uh, Shane because that had sort of already been leaked. We knew that he was going to pop up in some way. We don't know how he's going to pop up, but he's going to pop up in some way, presumably doing something to do with Flash backs i would imagine seeing as he's quite dead at this point i don't think i don't think that's a spoiler he was killed off like in the second season or something so i mean right. i don't think that's much of a spoiler they're also where uh, sonequa martin green is is also going to be back making appearance there now also scott wilson who played herschel is going to appear in the current season Literally an hour after the panel finished, it was announced that Scott Wilson had passed away from complications with leukemia. He was uh, 76. Spookily, I mean, it was literally almost you know, within an hour of, of them announcing he'd sadly passed away. His appearance on the show had already been filmed, so he will still be showing up. But right. uh, yeah, very sad to see him go because he was a he was a lovely character actor and he was great on that show as well. Good news for gaming fans though, they announced that Skybound, who are the uh, I think that's Robert Kirkman's company, Skybound have stepped in to make sure the Walking Dead games are going to be concluded properly after the collapse of Telltale. So these are the Telltale games; they are are going to be concluded because I think they've put out two episodes and then Telltale, the people that make them, went under and. And that sort of left the rest of the, I think there's three or four episodes to come in that series. And it was going to be kind of looked like it was not going to happen. But yeah. uh, Skybound, Skybound have stepped in to, to say that they will make sure it gets concluded, which I it's, think is uh, good news. Yeah, sad news about Telltale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from, from all the reports, it sounded like they didn't treat their staff particularly well but yeah. uh yeah so uh it's very sad to see him go under and uh you know because you love the batman games i know you played the batman games yes yeah the walking dead games were great the uh they did a game of thrones game which i thought was really good the borderlands was, game was good yeah yeah the but yeah they did the borderlands game and the minecraft game as well so there's it's a real shame to see somebody doing those sort of point and click adventures go under but you know that is life unfortunately with uh, video game companies sometimes moving on the trailers there were a lot of trailers at new york comic con so we're just going to kind of go through them and uh, and talk about them i think uh first one good omens trailer and bunch of pictures and stuff popped up for that thoughts on good omens yeah i'd give that a go sure unlikely friends why not yeah i mean obviously the good omens based on the neil gaiman and terry pratchett book about uh, an angel and a demon who have, have got this sort of fairly nice comfortable life kicking around on earth and <laughs> it then becomes apparent that uh, things have gone slightly wrong there is a, a fight brewing between good and evil and somebody seems to have misplaced the antichrist which is not good <laughs> so that's the the sort of premise of of the show it's got a great cast it's uh michael sheen it's david tennant as as um the demon the angel you've got uh, john ham in there as the archangel gabriel miranda richardson mike mckean as playing a character called shadwell he was uh, from uh, better call soul jack whitehall is in it you've got mark gattis steve pemberton Derek jacoby dave morrissey i mean it, it's just the cast list ridiculous it's 
it's like a huge who <laughs> of sort of British and American actors. This they haven't given an air date for that, but uh, Good Omens is going to be released. We believe some point in the first half of 2019, but we don't know exactly when yet. So that's anything up to like June. I'm very much looking forward to that. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a great adaptation. It was apparently Terry Pratchett's dying wish that Neil Gaiman make it. So <laughs> I'm very happy that it's it managed to make it on air. Yeah, it's good. American Gods that got a season two trailer. Did you watch the first season of American Gods? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I'm happy to actually see a trailer for this because it's been so up in the air this second season. It got delayed and you had the showrunners walked off in a huff. And <laughs> you, so Brian Fuller and Michael Green both left. Uh, you've got Jessica Alexander, who is uh, worked on Heroes and Lost in Alias. He's one of sort of J.J. Abraham's kind of group. Uh, he's now taken control of it. So you've got him running it now. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the second season is going to be like. It looks good from the trailer we've seen. It doesn't give an awful lot away. Sees Ricky Whittle back as Shadow Moon. And, uh, you know, the whole premise of American Gods is... It's the idea that the old gods' power was diminished because less people believed in them and they've been overtaken by new gods based around some people's love of money and technology and media and celebrity right. and drugs and that stuff. So they're now the more powerful gods and it's sort of brewing this war between the old gods and the new gods. That's the the basic premise of it. But it's uh, Ricky Whittle and Ian McShane in that and uh, there is a, a trailer up for for the second season of that. So I'm I really like the first season. Had a bit of a weird ending, but I, it sort of felt like it stopped halfway through. But really good, really good first season of that. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Amazon also released a trailer for The Boys. Do you know this comic book? No, I took a look after watching the trailer. It seems pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, the premise for The Boys is basically what do you do when superheroes step out of line? So you've got a group of superheroes which are known, I think they're the seven. They're basically your standard archetypes. They're sort of a Batman archetype, a Wonder Woman, a Superman, except they're all dicks. <laughs> basically they're immensely popular they're treated like celebrities they're influential as politicians they're sort of revered as gods by people but they're incredibly abusive with their powers they don't really care if there's a certain amount of collateral damage when they're trying to take people down they mm. can get away with anything and they're all under the control of this multi-billion dollar conglomerate kind of marketing company called Voight they're sort of controlled and managed so their image is always kind of squeaky clean regardless of what they're doing behind the scenes the idea of the boys is the boys is a a team which are put together to keep the superheroes in their place and take them down if necessary if they step out of line so you've got these two sort of opposing sides the trailer is really funny because it is it basically it's a marketing film for the seven from voice and uh, shows you these sort of lovely, wonderful things. And then it cuts to a scene right at the very end, which is um, the boys sat on a sofa flipping off the the trailer, which I thought was really sweet. So you don't really get an awful lot of of the boys' side of things actually in the trailer. It's much more about the seven, whereas the TV show is really much more focused on the boys. The boys are led by um, Carl Urban, who plays Billy Butcher, who you know from Star Trek and Dread. Then you've got Tom Capon, who has been in Hostages, 
Laszlo Onslow, who was in The Mysteries of Laura, Karen Fukuhara, who was in uh, Suicide Squad, and uh, Jack Quaid, who's playing a character called Wee Huey, who's the new recruit. Uh, Wee Huey's background is that his, uh, his girlfriend was murdered by one of the seven as, quote, collateral damage. But uh, basically, you know, one of the seven not paying attention ends up killing. One of the surprise announcements that came out of uh, New York Comic Con, Simon Pegg walked out on stage. And uh, Simon Pegg has a connection with yeah. the comic book because in the comic book, they use Simon Pegg's likeness for Wee Huey in the comic book. And because it took quite a long time for this to make it from the comic book to screen, Simon Pegg's a bit old for the role now, which is why he's not playing the character. However, he will be playing Huey's dad on the show. <laughs> which I thought was a nice That's twist. That's a nice nod, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was an interesting, quite funny exchange between the pair of them because, of course, Carl Urban and Simon Pegg know each other from uh, Star Trek. And uh, he just sort of said, yeah, we're having a competition between us to see who can be in the most franchises, said Carl Urban. So yeah. <laughs> there was a comment from uh, Jack Quaid, who was playing Huey, saying, I've never been more insecure in my life that I wasn't Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I, th- I thought that was really sweet but uh, yeah sounds like it's it's going to be really good what's great about that show is um, the people behind it it's um, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen who you will know from Preacher and uh, various other things that, so you know the type of level of violence and humour that like slapstick sort of violent humour they're probably going to end up going with Eric Kripke is the showrunner writer on it and Eric Kripke is the man behind Supernatural and Timeless and a whole bunch of other shows and I love his writing I love his humour I I think this is going to be a really interesting collaboration one definitely to look out for they haven't given an air date for that yet but it's coming to Amazon Prime in 2019 that one next one up Aquaman there was a trailer for that what did you think? yeah it's alright isn't it there's a lot of CG very CG yeah that hasn't really played well for dc previously sometimes no. but yeah it could be interesting why not well, what i did like about it is there is a lot of humor in that trailer yeah. jason momoa is he's really quite funny in this and seems to be having a lot of fun with it i actually think this could work i i mean as long as the story holds together reasonably well because yeah. i mean the venom trailer had a lot of humor in it as well so it may just be a well-cut trailer i will reserve judgment until i see it but yeah i i, I like the cast i will say though there, there are a number of costumes that they show which should never work on screen they <laughs> really do i mean you know arguably aquaman's costume shouldn't really work particularly well and they seem yeah. to manage to pull it off but the other costume black manta I mean, Black Manta really should never work on anything but a comic book. Yeah, because it's a helmet, ri- sure. yeah, because it's this ridiculous huge helmet. And I'm sure in years past there would have been a temptation to completely redesign that because it looks silly on screen. But I think they pull it off. It looks proper menacing. I thought I thought they did a really good job with it. So yeah, I, and I'm glad that they they didn't change it and they stuck with their guns and stuck with the comic book version. I think that's a step in the right direction. I think so. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's worth looking at. 14th of December that arrives in uh, UK cinemas. I'm sure there'll be previews a few days before because that's a Friday. But uh, yeah, 14th of December they're saying that for that. 
Yeah, then this one's a bit of a sort of sticks out as being very different to the others, I think, because yeah. all the others are mainstream. Um, <laughs> whereas this one, uh, Origin, stars Tom Felton and Natty Latella. It's um, coming to YouTube Premium on the 14th of November, this. It's a story of a group of passengers who wake up on a damaged spaceship abandoned in deep space. They've each sort of abandoned their lives behind on Earth, mainly because they're told that if they go on this trip, they get their slate wiped clean. So a lot of them have, have done sort of some fairly dubious things on Earth and, and this is a way of wiping the slate clean and going to a new colonised planet. It's sort of what we used to tell people who we sent to Australia, essentially. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> right. basically what it is. So uh, they're determined to survive all, all costs, but uh, the terrifying situation spells into paranoia when they come to realise that the greatest threat to their dream of starting over and indeed their lives is something far darker than past that they were so desperate to escape. It comes from Paul W.S. Anderson, who is the man behind the movie Event Horizon, if you ever saw that. So you, that, that was a very dark sci-fi film. Tom Felton, you'll know from The Flash and Harry Potter. Uh, Natalie Tenner, who was in Game of Thrones and Harry Potter as well. Uh, Fraser James, who was in Holdby City. Madeline Horch, who was in Grace Point. Nora Arzina, who was in Zoo and Mozart in the Jungle. Yeah, interesting sort of mix of, of cast in it. What, what do you think of the trailer? Uh, yeah, I actually thought it looked pretty good, sort of um, sort of sci-fi horror elements. Have you got YouTube Premium? Have you watched like Cobra Kai or anything like that? I, I have got YouTube Premium. I still haven't got around to watching Cobra Kai yet. I just um, wondered what you thought of their wheelhouse, you know what I mean? I, well, there's very little... I've, there's not that many things on there at the moment in terms of you know stuff. original content worth watching there's a lot of stuff from youtubers you know like programs made by people that have been popular on youtube yeah. i have very little interest in those sort of shows yeah i'm far more interested in the drama side of things and they but have it, got a few dramas on there but i just haven't watched many of them it certainly looks very pretty um very well done yeah uh, yeah, be an interesting one. This has piqued my interest, so I'm kind That's of interested right. to see what they're going to do with it. Although I think we'd end up with that thing, right, of, of that, that sitcom thing we talked about with The Good Place, where whatever it is, it seems to be something's coming to get them on the ship or whatever it is. Yeah. That seems like it will end. Yes. Then, yeah. then what happens? Do we yeah. get to a different ship and have a different monster or whatever? Or, yeah. what's the... or, or, or do they get to where they're supposed to be going in this new colonized yeah. planet and things are wrong there, maybe? You know. Yeah, but so, I mean, that w that might feel a bit... Yeah, so it sounds a little bit sort of the 100 a little bit dark right. matter. So I don't know. I mean, I like Tom Felton. I don't really know many of the other cast, but I think it could be uh, could be an interesting one to watch. What they seem to do usually with the YouTube premium stuff is they put the first episode up for free and yeah, okay. then you you can either sign up to YouTube premium, which is like, I don't know, £10 a month or something, or you can buy the individual episodes. So if you don't want to like have an outgoing fee, you can just buy the, the series. That seems to be what they've done, certainly with things like Cobra Kai. So I'm assuming it will be the same with this. But uh, it's called Origin, that it will come onto YouTube on the 14th of November if you want to go and have a look for it. Moving on, the next one is a fairly quick one, but I thought the trailer for this was absolutely hilarious. It was uh, the new Harley Quinn animated series, which is very much an adult animated series, not a child's animated series. It's not in the sort of Batman animated series vein. It's far more in the sort of Deadpool kind of vein, I think. That yeah. seems to be what they're doing. They're trying to turn this animated Harley basically into into their Deadpool. Yeah, that 
that's interesting you should say that, Dave, because I actually thought this trailer was a little bit on the nose. Um, it seems like they're trying very hard to make her the Deadpool, and yeah. I don't, I don't like that oh, because okay. I think I think it's a little much. Although it was, I didn't know it was Kelly Cuoco actually. Um, that was interesting. Um, yeah. and I think the Batman popping in because it's just a trailer. It's hard to know we don't know the format and we don't know whether it's like a narrative or, you know, what, what the show is. Um, well, yeah. The thing that they did was, I, I think probably put together specifically for the comic con. Of course. Um, yeah. It's an animated thing. It's Harley and poison Ivy basically chatting and Harley explaining what the series is and, uh, and taking a dig at the fact that the Deadpool animated series didn't get made, which I, I, I laughed at that. I thought that was quite funny. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to be that it's going to be somewhat fourth wall breaking, which I, I quite like. It, I mean, it is difficult to tell. I have to say, I thought Kaylee Kwoku did, uh, who, of course, you will all know from, as Penny from Big Bang Theory, did a fabulous job yeah, as, really as Harley. She's really going for it, and uh, I, I thought she was brilliant. The cast overall, actually, is quite interesting. Lake Bell, who plays that really sardonic version of uh, of Poison Ivy, uh, yeah. and who I, I really like that as well. I thought that was really good. Somebody over there is a really big fan of BoJack Horseman, because <laughs> most of them are a BoJack Horseman cast. Cause, oh, uh, Dave, I forgot to mention, I've been watching Oh, Jack, it's really good. Season three, carry on. Yes, yes, I'm sure you have. Because uh, Lake Bell, who's uh, was in Boston Legal, but he's one of the voices of Bojack Horseman. Dietrich yeah. Bader, who is in Veep and one of the voices of Bojack Horseman. Uh, he's voicing Batman. Various other cast members that they've they've mentioned that haven't got characters yet, but Alan Tudyk, who you know, you'll know from Firefly and Rogue One. Roy Funches, who was in Powerless. JB Smoove, who was in Curvy Enthusiasm. Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Wonder Sykes from Blackish, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Natalie Morales, who was in Bojack Horseman again, Jim Rash from the Mike Tyson Mysteries, Tony Hale from Veep, Chris Maloney from Happy. So yeah, there's there's definitely some fans of Veep and Bojack Horseman, I think, yeah. in there. Yeah, and I think that that's the... You, so like Deadpool couldn't do that, right? Because you couldn't get to the point where you're using someone's voice because he'd have to acknowledge that in some way. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're a cartoon, you can do a lot more on that and that's what make bojack uh, really interesting that's what i hopefully will make that really will make this harley quinn thing really interesting yeah i'm very much looking forward to this at the moment we don't know whether it's going to come out over here where it's going to come out over here. 26 episodes apparently the first season wow. of it is it's not going to come out until the end of 2019 because they they released a schedule for when the shows are going to come out so i i think it's titans young justice part one doom patrol young justice part two then I think it's Swamp Thing, then I think Harley, and then Stargirl. I may have got those slightly the wrong way around, but that that's basically the, the sort of scheduled release for them. But this is definitely not until towards the end of 2019 this isn't coming out. So there's a lot of time before we're actually going to see it, which so I think you- is probably why we only got this little brief clip do you think we might see it because it is it's a superhero thing and it's a cartoon and it's a comedy do you think netflix is a good fit for that because I, like you say they've got your bojacks but they're also getting was it titans we talked about earlier yeah it depends whether they are ever going to release dc universe outside <laughs> of the u.s 
yeah. as to what happens towards the end of the year. Because we don't know with the whole Titans thing, we don't know whether that's a year-long contract, whether they've signed yeah. it for two years, whether it's a sort of indefinite thing. I would hope through all the original series, I would like them all to end up on Netflix. Apparently, I think Netflix put money into Titans oh, okay. eventually, which is one of the reasons why they've already announced the season two renewal. So I, I'm guessing that they're going to be doing that. I think part of this is them gearing up for the fact that they know they're not going to be allowed to make any more Marvel series. Sure. Because because uh, Disney is now going to, apart from the, the Netflix Marvel series are staying where they are, but I don't think they're going to be allowed to expand that any more than what they've already got. Because any new Marvel shows will go onto the Disney streaming service. Yeah. So I suspect that they're only going to be allowed to play with around with the characters that they already have because they have said those aren't moving off Netflix anytime soon. So I think this is maybe them kind of thinking, well, you know, if they're not going to launch DC Universe worldwide, we'll this do is... It. The, you know, that would be a good place for them to, to sit them. So I'm hoping that all the DC shows end up on Netflix, but we'll see. But yes, the trailer for that I thought was hilarious and uh, well worth going to watch. Speaking of, of Marvel shows, <laughs> uh, Daredevil had a couple of trailers actually come out for Daredevil, but uh, the first one that they released has another Daredevil in it, apparently. Yeah. That other Daredevil we... Uh, well, I think it's being actually confirmed now is uh, Wilson Bethel, who is actually Bullseye. Yeah. We know that Fisk is back out of prison. So it seems to be Fisk kind of sponsoring Bullseye to be a much more violent version of Daredevil. And, yeah, we uh, see, we see um, when Wilson Fisk have like an ankle thing at one yeah, point. Yeah. So maybe you can't leave his house or something yeah. like that. So I'm looking forward to this. I think this could be kind of interesting. It, it appears to be based loosely around or certainly taking elements Elements of, I think it's the uh, Born Again comic book storyline yeah. is, is sort of what it appears to be based on. You've got uh, John Whaley, who was in The Borges and Gossip Girl, playing Sister Maggie, who's quite a key character out of that run. Wilson Bethel, who was in How to Get Away with Murder and Heart of Dixie, he's playing Bullseye, so he's new this season. Jay Alley, who was in The Fosters, is playing Ray Needham, who is a, a sort of ambitious FBI agent, so he's new this season. I mean, I'm, I'm just happy to have Fisk back, like, full-blown full-on Fisk as far as we can tell definitely I, I think these Netflix series have only gotten or it's hard for them to match up to that first season of Daredevil yeah and if anyone can do it Vincent D'Onofrio can do it yeah I'm looking forward to this I'm glad they put Bullseye in there because I, I think having Fisk going hand to hand with Matt Murdock doesn't really work so yeah you know or doesn't work as well as it does having somebody that's got you know more straight fighting skills so I think in sort of live action, I think him going up against Bullseye is, is uh, going to be really cool to see. Yeah. They've also announced an air date for that Friday, the 19th of October. That comes out as well. And then lastly, we've got Star Trek. That had a new trailer come in, which had all sorts of interesting reveals in it. So uh, did you watch Star Trek? I can't remember whether you watched the last uh, season. No, I didn't. I watched the trailer, though. It looks good. You should watch the first season of that. It was great, Star Trek Discovery. The new trailer gives us a little bit more background about sort of what we already knew, but it also shows off some of the uh, new characters or new old characters as they are in most cases. We know the main story, spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen 
scene in the end of Discovery, but the end of Discovery ends up with them coming face to face with the Enterprise. Minor spoiler for that, because right at the very end of the final episode, <laughs> that's that's where we end up. We see Pike, who is in the captain of the Enterprise. As we saw from the last trailer, the previous trailer, Pike is sort of takes control of the Discovery because he needs some of the technology that's on the Discovery's ship. So he's basically captaining the Discovery this season. And uh, the entire sort of main story revolves around these seven signals which have been picked they've been picked up they don't know where they've come from they don't know who sent them but uh, they seem to be involved in something to do with these signals so they're following those spock is also involved with this because spock of course was science officer on the enterprise yeah. they cast a new person as spock which i think we've announced before which is uh, ethan peck who was in 10 things i hate about you in time and he's grandson of the famous actor gregory peck as well <laughs> so uh, they've released a photo of him you briefly see him in the trailer but they've actually released a separate photo of him as well with full-on beard spock with beard we have yeah yeah i saw that he looks good and uh, I, I think he's going to be good in the role he's got the right face shape for it i think he's going to be good there we also got to see number one who is pike's sort of first-hand lady played by rebecca romagin who you'll know from things like the librarians um that was the role that on the original series played by Majel barrett wife of gene ronbury we get a glimpse of her. We also get a glimpse of the Klingons because one of the things they did when they brought the Klingons back was completely redesign them in the first season. And uh, they didn't have any hair at all. They, oh. they were completely hairless. And uh, they've they've now, in this season, they've brought the hair back. And they explain that by saying that uh, apparently Klingons shave themselves during times of war completely they shave all their hair off during times of war and then grow it back in times of peace so technically we're sort of in a time of peace now even though the klingons that we actually see in the trailer don't look all that peaceful but they are klingons (laughs) so you know um but yeah so these the the klingons are back to being more a bit more like the traditional klingons that we we've known before they're also saying that we've we only saw some of the houses in the original season whereas in this season we're seeing more of the houses and there's going to be more variation and stuff so yeah spock harry klingons uh, <laughs> enterprise captain pike i'm really up for this i think it's going to be great 18th of january that is going to be back on netflix in the uk day after it gets released on cbs in the us annoyingly one things they're, they're releasing these short episodes these uh, short treks and mm. at the moment netflix hasn't picked those up I, my guess is CBS is charging too much for them. So uh, these are our sort of little additional episodes. Hopefully they'll get released online or something at some point yeah. if, they, if they're not going to be able to sell them to Netflix. But it's kind of annoying that we're not going to get those. I'm sure they'll appear somewhere. I Hopefully when the show comes back, maybe they'll release them as part of it, but we'll see. Moving on to uh, a couple of other stories that uh, aren't trailers. Um, Netflix announced they are developing a Chronicles of Narnia series, or rather series and movies. They're basically developing all the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, <laughs> anything Narnia related, it's going to be on Netflix from now on. Is it's pretty much what they've said. Uh, multi- Until uh, we get the Chronicles of Narnia streaming service, and then it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes. They do have a tendency to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's a multi-year deal between Netflix and the C.S. Lewis company. 
They are producing a number of TV series and films based on the famous best-selling novels. In total, the Narnia books, which I'm sure you're all aware of, uh, <laughs> 100 million copies have been translated into 47 languages. So they're things like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and, and all that sort of stuff. This is apparently the first time that all the properties have landed in one place. They have complete control over all of the books. They're going to be able to do whatever they want, whether it's movies or TV shows or, or whatever. They're going to be able to put them all together. They're going to be able to connect them all. They're going to be able to create a sort of Narnia universe, essentially, all on one place, all in Netflix. I think it's interesting that they're not saying we're going to create a bunch of TV shows or we're going to create a bunch of movies. They're sort of yeah. saying we're going to create a mixture of both. So maybe that, you know, you get, maybe they kick it off with a movie that goes into a TV show. Maybe they kick it off with a TV show that then goes into a movie i don't know it's kind of interesting yeah i mean i think that's what we initially would have wanted from the marvel netflix stuff but yeah. you know it's, a, it's an interesting like how do they do that do they use the same actors do they use different actors yeah. is it will you wrap up a story in a movie and do a different story and like will there be a, a through line series that is parts of you know that feeds into the different movies you know it's all interesting questions yeah i mean i, I would assume that they will release things one at a time so yeah. it's going to either kick off with a film or a tv show i would have thought so maybe a tv show into a film to finish off one story into another yeah. tv show then a film maybe maybe that's what they're looking at but don't know exactly how they're going to work but i i thought this is a really exciting thing particularly for fans of those characters and the whole thing stems across multi-generations it's got various different geographies you know it's set in our world and in the narnia and so yeah very very interesting to have them all in one place at f for once you know sure. and, and have the rights to everything they've got to make sure that they nail it with the first one out the gate otherwise the whole thing falls apart that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always been the problem with the films of course is you know they've they've never managed to nail the first film and then everybody's lost interest so Ooh. um I, i'm betting it's going to take a while for this to actually get to screen so i wouldn't expect to see anything before at least 2020 but i'm really interested for that i'd be intriguing to see what they find and uh lastly they have announced that the live action star wars series is going to be titled the mandalorian this is john favreau's live action star wars series that is coming to the disney streaming service they released a little bit of a background about it the mandalorian is set after the fall of the empire before the emergence of the first order we follow the travails of a lone gunfighter on the outer reaches of the galaxy from far from authority of the new republic so that's the basic setup for it, it comes from john favreau who uh, was the director who kicked off the iron man franchise so they're kind of hoping that he can uh, hold it together and, and <laughs> do this as well uh, although he's actually writing not directing as far as we are aware for this series which i think is interesting looking forward to this yeah definitely this looks good the, the he, i think he shared a picture on instagram it looked yeah, really yeah. good yeah 100 why not more star wars great yeah, I mean, the picture that they showed is basically somebody in some Mandalorian armour. Yeah, who, it looks vaguely like Boba Fett. Yeah, because Boba Fett wore Mandalorian armour. I mean, that the, it's, it's difficult to say who's Mandalorian who isn't, because Django claims to be Mandalorian, but that's slightly disputed by some people, so... Yeah. He may or may not be. Boba arguably isn't, because he was a clone. 
Um, yeah, right. You know, he was he was a clone child of Django, so really isn't directly Mandalorian. I mean, there's a clone of a Mandalorian if if Django is Mandalorian, but we don't know. So, uh, but uh, then we we have uh, the one of the characters from Star Wars Rebels was definitely Mandalorian. So we have seen a few of them, and we've definitely seen Mandalorians in that series. So, yeah, and it's uh, interesting. Like, so if people wanted a like a Boba Fett movie or a TV show, this is this is pretty close, right? Yeah, this is this is basically the closest you're going to get. And yeah. I, I think the reason that they've done this and done it in this way is because you can set it in a time period post-Return of the Jedi, pre-Force Awakens. You're in a time period which hasn't been massively covered yet. They're also setting it in the far reaches of the galaxy, so you're not dealing with all the New Republic stuff. You're yeah. not dealing with main characters. It's sort of off in some obscure corner. So you, you can get away with playing around with a lot more. without. You know, so you've got this nice background that is in there but you've not got to reference any of the big things that may be happening somewhere else that they've already covered in novels yeah it's smart to do it that way and also if you if you want to say just as just as a passing comment oh this thing happened in the galaxy just um great they've announced the directors as well which are kind of interesting because like like i say it it doesn't look like favreau is down as a director although that may be an oversight he may be directing an episode we're not sure but um dave filoni who was the genius behind the clone wars and the star wars rebels animated series is set to as far as i can tell direct i mean his first live action star wars project i'm not sure it may be his first live action project but certainly it seems to be his first live action star wars project so he's going to be uh directing the premiere episode and uh they've also got uh deborah chow who is one of the jessica jones directors dope director producer rip family will i can't pronounce that family <laughs> they've a the couple of interesting new people as well bryce dallas howard who's probably better known as an actress but has directed a number of short films and episodes and things um yep. daughter of ron howard of course she is going to be helming one episode and uh, the phenomenal Tikawa Wakiti, who was the director of the hilariously funny Phil Ragnarok, he's also going to be directing an episode, which uh, that's a fairly sizable director. To I'd enjoy that. To so yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's brilliant. Like I say, no mention of Favreau actually directing anything himself, but uh, he's down as a showrunner and uh, he's writer for the series. No premiere date for it yet. We know that the Disney series, which is going to be on, isn't launching until late 2019 as well. Whether this will come out on it at launch, we don't know. Um, we don't know what Disney are going to be doing internationally with this. I mean, they initially said it was going to be rolled out worldwide. Presumably that will happen. I th- think they said they're going to launch it in the US and then worldwide afterwards. Right. How quickly afterwards, we don't know. <laughs> Hopefully they don't do what DC did and just keep quiet because DC wouldn't say anything about the international rollout. And of course now we know why it's because there isn't one. But <laughs> hopefully we'll we'll know a bit more about that at launch and they'll be able to say, you know, we're launching in the US in uh, this date and worldwide on this date or in these territories in this date. So we'll have to wait and see. But end of next year, the earliest for that. So that's all the news for this week, of which there was a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and now we'll move on to the interview. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So the interview this week is with an Emmy-nominated re-recording mixer, Andy Diodaro. He's been Emmy-nominated and won multiple times for the TV show Mozart in the Jungle, which uh, heavily relies on sound mixing, I think it's fair to say, because it's it's to do with the uh, orchestra and conducting. So um, it's a brilliantly brilliant brilliant series I, it was one of those shows that i kind of i think i said at the time i wasn't sure about watching and then completely fell in love with when i watched through the first season of it it's absolutely brilliant he has not only been a sound mixer on uh, on that he also worked on series such as x files and transparent but he actually has a career that goes back into way into the early 80s so he was fascinating to talk to we got very off track at places just talking generally about his work in the industry other shows he's worked on changes in the industry since he first started highlights of his career all that sort of stuff so he was really interesting to talk to here's the interview with andy we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv hello sir how are you i'm all right how are you good Good, good. It's lovely to have you uh, come on and to talk for a bit. Pleasure. The show's really interesting because it was one of those things that had been on Amazon and I'd looked at and gone, I oh, don't no, want to watch a thing about like the New York Philharmonic. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, I got offered the interview, so I thought, well, I better watch some episodes and <laughs> proceeded to spend the entire weekend binge watching my way through the entire first season of it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal show. So, for those that haven't heard, us interview sound people before what's your job title on the show and what do you do in the show i'm re-recording mixers so i'll take all those paired tracks and i do the mix a dialogue music and then i have my partner who does sound effects uh chris jacobson is nominated with me this year uh gary geegan did the previous year previous years all the years uh, so gary has won two, two emmys this is chris's first time going so he's very excited obviously and uh, so i'll take all the music and dialogue and mix that and then I'll have my sound effects mixing partner Chris who does all the sound effects so two of us on the console okay and then we balance we we do what we feel makes it sound like a movie we or a film I should say it's a better term than movie we very much take a theatrical approach to our mixes we make them sound like films and not a television show so we have more time than your average television show would get we actually have two days on these which are typically between 20 and 28 minutes somewhere in there which is still moving pretty fast, but it's more time than most have. And yeah. uh, and because our filmmakers rec- recognize uh, uh, Paul Weitz and Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman and uh, Will Graham and Peter Chomsky, I'm going to just read the names off here. <laughs> uh, you know, they have a very, very much appreciation of what we do and what, what we can bring to the, the piece. And for me and my approach is it's not so much what you hear, it's what you feel. And that's because it's a music-based show. That's really my 
personal approach to, to what I'm trying to achieve is you want to feel it. You just don't want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're dealing with, you know, as well as sort of the, the music and obvious effects. Yeah, I guess you're dealing with, with vocal stuff, NEADR stuff, like you say, uh, yes. and uh, Foley stuff as well, I guess, gets mixed in there. As well. Yes. Foley would, would fall to Chris's side of the board, uh, Chris Jacobson uh, this past season. Yes. So he would have the Foley, which are the footsteps and props. If you put your phone down, there's sound there's a sound for everything if it moves we either have cut the sound or we've recorded the sound okay. everything is replaced in other words uh you know this is not a good example but if i had a car chase for a project obviously that doesn't happen in this all the sounds replaced and nothing from shot on set is ever used really i mean there are occasional things we call production effects that will be used but generally speaking even then it is backed up by either a sound effect or a foley so everything is replaced. Everything is rebuilt. Typically, we run between 200 and 400 tracks uh, on an episode. Uh, yeah. I, and it's not that many. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much. You know, because dialogue can go 15 wide on its own when you're dealing with, uh, for instance, a show like Mozart, everything is boomed and also radio mics. And I, I like having both at my disposal when we're mixing. You know, when they, I, so the boom always sounds better, but... Sometimes it's so far away, you can't use it, or you can use a little of it just to, to give yourself a little, what I call air, which is yeah. probably the wrong term. But uh, I'll mix mostly the radio, and it depends, totally depends on the shot. So it's very easy to get 15, 20, 25 wide on the, just on dialogue alone. And then you have your ADR. And then what we have called group ADR, which is actors, usually between six and eight on broadcast is typical. They'll go into a recording studio and watch the film. And, you know, if it's a bar scene, they'll do the chatter of the people in the background. Right. Or if someone's mouth is moving off camera, not our stars, of course, but if someone's moving off, yeah, like the bartender says, here you go, here's your drink. And his head's kind of turned, they'll record us, they may record a line for that. And that's the group ADR people. So that could be 30 tracks wide of, of that, because typically we'll do it in stereo pairs and layers. And then so you'll have your what we call principles, which are on camera, anybody on camera, like the pretender example I was using a second ago. And then all the chatter, all the people, you know, this table here. Oh, the, you know, it's a man and a woman will do we'll record that couple there. And OK, let's get that couple over there behind. So it's a layered. There's many, many layers to a good soundtrack. Yeah. And that's our job to balance all that. But the story is we always come back to what is enhancing our story, what is elevating our story and characters in that moment. Mm. Uh, season three, especially for, for me, we were able to because we were in Venice, which is to me elegant in a word, elegant. Venice is elegant. The sounds are elegant. And then we cut to the craziness of a street in New York City with buses and taxis and horns. And, you know, so on the one side, we have water, you know, they're on the the Grand Canal and we have water and beautiful, you know, boats going by and, and, you know, maybe an occasional call out or we even had some gondoliers just doing a thing as they float by. And then you cut to the chaos of New York City with, you know, just bus going by and, you know, just car horns. And, and that's what we do. We try and bring those moments out 
that wouldn't otherwise not be there. And it's a terrible cliche that we use on our end, but bang for the buck, we're able to do so much with sound cost-wise, uh, not as much as even like a visual effects shop. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really a fantastic time to do so much to enhance the story. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. It is incredible what you can bring to something just by adding a small amount of sound to something. Oh, absolutely. Or no sound. Yeah, I mean, no yeah. the, the silence before whatever big might happen, it, it's it's all in your approach. It just what's interesting, what's new, what's cool, what enhances the story and character. I mean, that's always what Andy, when I'm mixing, that's what I always come back to. What's going to enhance that performance mm. to take it to the next level? I mean, our, we've got a glory cast and we've got fantastic scripts. And what can I do to take it to the next level? And that's always the question I'm asking myself when I'm working. So, I mean, how did you get into doing this in the first place? <laughs> very, very, very long story. Um, uh, actually, uh, I'll make it really short, though. Um, when I was in junior high school, I had a chance to go work in stage crew and ended up doing mostly lighting for junior high school plays. And then I moved to Chatsworth High School where I worked with, you know, it's the now disgraced, but Kevin Spacey, Mayor Winningham, Val Kilmer were all in my play production class at the same time. <laughs> right. We were all in the same, you know, we were all little high school kids. And during that time, I had a friend who was a club singer in LA and he said, hey, you want to do the sound for me at clubs? So I was, you know, this would never happen today, but I was like 14 and 15 working in nightclubs and doing <laughs> I mean, there's no way. I don't know what the laws are like where you live, but that is a big no-no under 21 around here. Yeah. But back then it was like, okay, the kid's work and he's fine. Don't don't fuck him. So, and then uh, after that, uh, he said, uh, hey, I have a friend who runs a recording engineering school. Are you interested? So I was in high school still going to recording engineering classes, taking the bus three hours each way from the San Fernando Valley into Hollywood in the mid 1970s, which, you know, it would be child endangerment today. You would never <laughs> do such a thing. My dad says, yeah, just take the bus. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, and then I got very lucky. That teacher opened up a recording studio. He was the first studio manager uh, for scoring stage. I started in music scoring. Evergreen was the name of the studio. Charlie Fox, Artie Butler, Gale Fant opened uh, evergreen in 79 in fact we're gonna have our 40-year reunion next year so wow. i was an exploring stage assistant so i worked on god great movies man i worked on the blues brothers i worked on caddyshack i worked on urban cowboy cruising god i could go on and on on golden pond back to the future one i was an assistant and then um chris jenkins who was running tadeo at the time called me and said hey you want to be re-recording mixer and here i am uh i've been <laughs> It's now for 30 years, I guess, and been back and forth between features and television, depending on what the market is. The market is terrible on the feature side right now. So broadcast is the place to be. We're doing really, really good, just amazing projects right now. I'm so yeah. lucky. Transparence besides this and uh, Mozart and a show called Imposters, which sadly got canceled. I mean, just amazing work we're doing in television right now that you know, features that. I mean, these are projects that wouldn't have gotten made five, ten years ago or even five years ago. So I consider myself very lucky to be working on some amazing material. Yeah. And uh, here I am. Yeah, I did some big movies, Rush Hour, the Rush Hour films. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I've had my shot at the big time and we're just not making those movies right now. So we're kind of uh, I'm in the best place I can be, you know, just yeah. working on 
the good material. To be honest, I mean, I think I think the TV side of things is is kind of far more interesting than a lot of the movie stuff these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to be doing you know uh, Star Wars and Spider Man and <laughs> well, and, yeah. and Avengers and those level kind of films. I'd love to be able to have the chance to do that, and I'm completely capable of doing that. It's just, what are you known for? And yeah. unfortunately. I, and I shouldn't even say unfortunately. That's a bad word. Uh, this this is kind of what I'm known for, and and I'm good. You know, I'm good with it. I'm hey, I'm I was born to do what I do. Yeah, yeah. and to be working and doing what you love, and born to do what you do, and and to be here, it's just. I mean, I can't ask for anything more. Really, I'd love to be doing Star Wars, but you know, we're good. Hey, <laughs> well, I mean, you you've worked on a couple of shows like you know Mozart and Transparent, which is sort of both Amazon shows and given the way Amazon are aggressively going after kind of high concept fantasy and sci-fi at the moment, you may end up on one of those shows at some point. They're very, very hands off. They pretty much let the filmmakers decide who they want and how they wanted to. I mean, I have a good relationship with Amazon, but it's, yeah, they're kind of getting away from the Transparents and Mozarts. That's why Mozart was canceled. That's why Transparent, I think we're coming back for a two-hour movie to end it. But, you know, it's been, working with Jill on that project has been an incredible experience. She's amazing to work with and just such a leader and such an incredible writer and creative on just on every level. She's so much fun to work with. You worked on bunch of movies and uh yeah bunch of different tv shows i we always find it interesting to scroll to the bottom of the imdb and see what the first credit is <laughs> and it's uh it's cagney and lacy yeah. you know i was in scoring i was still an assistant i was doing some mixing i did a lot of mixing for uh, mike post who he was the composer for a team hardcastle mccormick and yeah. the greatest american hero Legend. i yeah. was doing all those shows dennis sands who was my boss at, at Group 4 Recording in Hollywood, which is now torn down. I was starting to mix and doing a lot of stuff with Mike, uh, Mike Post. And then Chris called me and Cagney and Lacey was my first show. So I, they did a pilot of that recently. I go, God, I am getting old when they're remaking shows. That work. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one of the credits in here, you're in, listed under the music department for the pilot of MacGyver and they've remade that as well. So. <laughs> no, I know they're remaking all this stuff right now. Um and as a kid, uh, you know, Hawaii Five O, I loved as a kid, and to be able to work on it later as the remake was was pretty cool as well. Yeah, I mean that that's a, a great show. You mentioned you you're doing something with the uh, the, oh CSI New York, C- uh, CSI New York. Our producer is David Yanashiga, who I work with on CSI New York for nine years. Or yeah, it's a, a dynasty for the CW, which is good, but. You know, again, it comes back to the people, and I'm looking forward to working with with my people again. Yeah. Very appreciative to be back. Because what happens is, you know, a show will end, and you go, oh, we're going to work together again. And it never happens the same way. And this is one of those where, you know what, it is going to kind of happen. And I can't wait. Uh, We start on Friday, actually, for the first time. And and, uh, really looking forward to being back with my, my people and looking forward to uh, elevating uh, that project on however I can. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what, got to be third season, is that back? Or is it second season that's back for? I think? Second season, I believe. And this just happened like last week. I guess uh, there was a scheduling issue with another facility and David had called my company. I work for the Formosa Group, where I'm sure you know. And they said, hey, David has a project for you to do. And I said, great, let's do it. So <laughs> It all came together in the last two weeks. I wasn't supposed to do it. And then uh, I'm also supposed to do a project for Apple called Are You Sleeping? Which I've heard nothing but 
great things about. This will be one of Apple's very first projects. And um, I think the producers are Octavia Spencer. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. I'll be doing that with her. And uh, Reese Witherspoon, I believe, is one of the other producers on it. So really looking forward to that. And uh, we're going to be mixing in Atmos, which is the newest Dolby format, which actually Mozart, we did in Atmos the first season. We didn't continue with it. We were actually the first, what we call native Atmos mix. It had never, at that time for broadcast, it had never been done before, basically. We call it native because the Atmos mix is your main mix. Right. Everybody yeah. else would upconvert. They'd take a 5.1 or a 7.1 and upconvert it to Atmos. We actually mix an Atmos and then downconverted it. And as far as I know, we were the first one. So it's pretty groundbreaking at the time. And it was uh, hectic for a moment. But then once we were into it, it's like, oh, this is easy. It's just more speakers. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, I'm not sure why Amazon didn't continue with it. I think it was just at that time, you know, this is now four years ago. It was just more trouble than it was worth for them. But right. everybody's mixing Atmos now and Are You Sleeping will be Atmos. So I'm really looking forward to that. And also uh, some of my people from uh, Transparent are on it. Uh, Victor Hu, uh, HSU is how his last name is spelled. He's one of our producers on Are You Sleeping? So it is kind of a chance to, again, work with the same people, which doesn't happen often. It just everybody ends up on different things. And, uh, you know, you're forced to work at Warner Brothers Sound or you're forced to work at Universal and you're never able to connect again. So actually, we have had two in a row now where we're connecting back with people we're used to working with. It's good. That's yeah, good. it sounds like kind of an interesting show. It particularly could be good from the sound side, given oh, it's based yeah. around true crime stuff, which... Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. So I spot a gold disc on your back wall. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, that's Back to the Future 1. That was, uh, ah. that's, will be the one and only gold record I'll ever receive. <laughs> Something dramatic changes. Yeah, that's uh, Back to the Future, 500,000 copies. So, and that was given to me by very famous scoring mixer, uh, Dennis Sands, who's Alan Silvestri's guy. He does Alan and Tommy Newman and just all, you know. David Newman, all those top guys. That was given to me by Dennis and Angel Ballister, who owned uh, or recording uh, in Hollywood that I said was torn down. And, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very sad day while they build another ugly Hollywood apartment building. <laughs> and, yeah, and in that studio, you know, I was, and it doesn't show up on my IMDb, but I recorded Ella Fitzgerald and Joe Pass and Count wow. Basie and Oscar Peterson and Sarah Vaughn. And we were the home for Pablo Records, jazz label. So I was 20, I don't know, 24, 25, working with Ella and these just classic, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I doing here? I don't deserve to be in this room with these people this is amazing and so it's very very lucky and dennis had given me the uh, the opportunity to mix records and uh for them and those are all obviously live live to tape there's no overdubbing no, none of that stuff we do today multi-track yeah. live to tape you didn't like that one let's do it again <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you cut your best takes together and that, that you do a record in a day or two yeah. and it'd be coming out the door. And uh, yeah, it was a great time. I, I love to be back doing I love to be done. scoring is is gosh, I mean, Clark Germain, who was our scoring mixer on Mozart for last year. Uh, year three in Venice. He has my dream job if I want to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he's able to go in and make music every day, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing that, that very few nowadays get to enjoy, you know, with all the home studio recording and everything you can do in Pro Tools and Logic and, and all the 
all the systems out there are great, but there's nothing like leading a scoring session as a as a as a mixer. You know, seventy guys or hundred guys. There's just nothing. There's no not a rush like that in the world. It's amazing yeah. to do that. Those kind of sessions live. You know, as difficult as they are, and as much as it can go wrong, and and you're responsible for making it sound amazing. And uh, yeah, I would love. I mean, making music. There's just I'm sorry, there's nothing like it. I have a great time, but Clark is very lucky and he's able to do it every day. And Clark won the Emmy with me last year and just a fabulous uh, recording engineer. Yeah, he's very, he's he's very lucky. You know, there's very few guys doing that anymore. Really? Really? Quick story. Mike posed who I mixed for before. I mean, we would record two, sometimes three sessions a day every week, full orchestra full uh, scores and, and I'd, I'd walk in and uh, Pete Carpenter was Mike's partner way back then. He'd just be right. He didn't, not even a piano, nothing. He just, I go, Pete, how do you do that, man? He just, it's here. It's here. Says, you know, he point to his ear and doing two and three sessions a day, every day. And those shows during those years, the Stephen Cannell shows were all the well music, man. I mean, out of a 40 minute episode, 30 minutes, uh, there was one 18 that we did. We actually had, more minutes of music than the running time of the show with overlaps. <laughs> so they, I mean, I, that was so impressive to me watching, watching Pete Carpenter and Mike. I mean, they would both do it just, you know, they'd be in the lunchroom writing the next day's cues, just boom, boom, boom. Okay. Uh, I got to hit that. Okay. What's the time? And they do it by timing notes. There was no picture that, that they would watch. You know, we were still on film back, you know, I'm going back a long time now. And that's an amazing talent that just blew me away yeah. to this I'll never forget watching Pete and Mike Wright in our lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is an impressive talent. I mean, I'd take my hat off to, to any of them that could even get close to doing stuff like that. It's crazy. In those days, they would have to go to the copyist and, you know, the copyist would write out the parts for, you know, the woodwinds and the brass and the springs and, you know, all of that would happen overnight for the next day's recording. And this is like every day. Mm. And it was, uh, I think that time those guys had six shows on the air or something between Hell Street Blues and A-Team and Hardcastle McCormick and Riptide and uh, Magnum B.I. All the shows are redoing. Greatest American Hero they're redoing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we've just, just run as some of us have run out of ideas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Hey, you know, it works. You know, people tune in, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, but it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I miss making music, man. It's, it's just, just nothing like it in the world. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is good, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> to be working, I mean, you know, God, how many kids in school never even get a chance? Yeah. You know, so thrilled to be working and they actually you know i'm shocked oh god you're gonna pay me to do this too this is awesome yeah, yeah. i always when i talk to the production designers and they always they always go so how did you get into it and it, the stories always starts well i didn't plan to get into production design <laughs> and usually ends up with with them ending up in some situation where somebody offers to pay them to do it and they're like oh oh this is a job oh okay <laughs> Yeah, probably very few go out down that road. No, I kind of, I, I can tell you the exact moment it happened. My teacher, who I was mentioning, I went to a recording engineering school with, uh, Bill Lazarus was his name. We were friends until he passed away. Gosh, it's been 
eight or nine years now. He recorded uh, Diana, Ain't No Mountain High Enough and oh, James wow. Taylor's Fire and Rain. So, uh, you know, some big, big stuff. And I always wanted to do record albums like Bill and just never quite got there. But Bill had taken us. He was head of booking at Warner Brothers. At that, in those days, it was called TBS, or the Burbank Studios. In those days, I'm going, this is... 77 or 78. And so he took me for a tour of the sound facility. He was responsible for booking record dates into the Warner Brothers scoring stage, which is still there. It's one of the few that are still left out here. So Bill was, he booked the big scoring stage for Sinatra and, you know, people, you know, those big kind of sessions back then. And he took me for a tour of the facility and he walked me into dubbing five at Warner Brothers. And I walked in for the first time. Like, oh my God, you know, just like, you know, kid, you know, beyond kid in the candy store. It's like, this is cool. This is what I want to do. And years later, I would mix in that room. I walk back in and mix. I've only mixed, I think it was only a day or two. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I hate it. I'm back in the room when I was a little kid. And I'm mixing now. And, and I did a number of movies at Warner Brothers next door in stage six, but you know, which didn't even exist at that time. But wow. uh, you know, stage five to walk into that room, you know, later. And I go, God, it looks a lot smaller now. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it was an amazing, you know, just an amazing moment to walk back in, gosh, three years later and just go, I've conquered this. This is <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. uh, yeah, it was a great, you know, it's just little moments like that. It, it, you go, wow, man, this is year 39 for me. It's gone by like it's two years. Amazingly lucky. I'm yeah. the <laughs> Forrest Gump of sound, sound guys. I'm doing what I'm <laughs> That's always good. It's always good to be doing what you love. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you the, the last two questions that we always ask. Uh, first one is what TV shows are you watching at the moment? <laughs> oh, boy. You're not going to like this answer. God. <laughs> I watch my shows as they air because I want to know how they sound. Yeah. Otherwise, the TV doesn't get turned on much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's I come up with a better answer than this. But what am I watching right now? Game of Game of Thrones, obviously. Every everybody's watching that. And Handmaid's Tale. Mm. Love that. Those are the. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of television on purpose. That's not that unsurprising. Quite often, we have people that work in the industry that like either a don't have the time or have spent so long of their day staring at a screen of a show that they're like i i don't want to look at it when i get home you know and it, it's not that i don't love it it's i'd rather play with the cool new plugin or mm. you know i have my own little studio i'd rather go play at my studio and and what kind of new thing can i do i bought an avid s6 board for my place how can i get better at my craft i don't like i'm not an, i don't like killing time that way in fact you know i'm an, a motion picture academy voter and you know and i'll always go watch during academy season when we're voting and and, and but otherwise I don't really go out of my way to see a lot of stuff. I'd rather be at my place, at my studio, learning something new or trying some new thing or going, ooh, here's a cool new way I can get around this or smooth out my workflow. I'd rather spend my time that way, I guess. It's amazing the amount of composers that we talk to that pick shows that have no music in them. (laughs) 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 There's a a number of them just like, I don't want to hear the music because it'll distract me because I'm like, I could have done this or, you know, you could have been that. Oh, that's the other side of it is I'm constantly listening to the mix and go, oh, I heard that ADR line there and... 
oh, wow, that angle really bumped in. And, and it's I'll pop it on just to hear what other people are doing. And I really enjoy more screenings. I mean, I love going to, you know, the Motion Picture Academy or Television Academy. I'd rather go see a screening in a proper environment instead of watching it off air, which is never transmitted correctly. So I'd rather go to a good environment if I'm going to do it and spend the time. You know, I'd rather see some of my uh, contemporaries and see what they're doing and, and you know, maybe meet them there. In, the, in that kind of environment. But it was like turning on the TV. Not really. Okay. And the last question, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, what show would it be? Ooh. You know, I, I trained Anna Lee who actually mixes Game of Thrones and I would love to have done a Game of Thrones. I mean, I think... <laughs> And if you're talking television, she actually, she had never mixed before. And I brought her in as my effects mixer on CSI New York, interestingly enough. And uh, she's gone on and done very well. Yeah. I mean, it's a high level Westworld. I mean, is I'd love to have an opportunity to work on a project like that. Handmaid's Tale. Amazing. Just, I just want to do cool stuff in the future. I can't really name anything. <laughs> it's become more important for me than ever just to work with people that are fun. Mm. People that that like what, what I do, like to enjoy the contribution that I can make to the project. And if the project's a showcase, like in the case of Mozart, so much the better. You just want to work on projects with people you enjoy working with. Well, I'll let you go. Have a great day. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk at some point in the future. Awesome. Thank you so cool. much, man. Thank you for Cheers. your time. Bye. Okay, cool. Have a great day. Bye. So that was the interview with sound recording remixer Andy Diodaro. If you want to go and check out Mozart in the Jungle or any of the other shows he's been working on, like Transparent, you can go and find all those on Amazon Prime. Now we've got some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So, highlights for next week on TV. We've hit that point in October where things <laughs> start returning. Yeah, everything's coming so, back now. So, we will rush through this list. Riverdale back for its third season on the 11th of October. Like that series, a good young adult series, great fun. So, 11th of October for Riverdale season three on Netflix. Get Shorty season two of that coming to Sky Atlantic on the 11th of October at 9pm. Uh, I've watched a few episodes of this. It's well worth watching. Really, yeah. really funny. Chris O'Dowd, right? Yes, Chris O'Dowd in the lead in it. Um, I've got to go back and watch some more of it. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the first few episodes of that. So uh, I've, I've got to watch the rest of season one. But uh, 11th of October for season two of that. The Romanoffs, which is coming to Amazon Prime on the 12th of October. This is from the creators of Mad Men. It's an anthology series which follows the sort of thread attaching them together is each show follows descendants of the last dynasty to rule Russia. Interesting premise for a series. There are trailers up. You can go and find the trailers on the website. Very difficult to say what this is going to be like because it's it's very out of the box. But uh, yeah, Romanoffs, that's called. That's 12th of October for that. The Haunting of Hill House, uh, season one of that coming on the 12th of October. Horror drama series with the emphasis rather more on the drama than the horror, actually. This is is based on Shirley Jackson's classic novel, although very, very much reworked. It's sort of horror mixed with family drama. I've seen the opening two episodes of this. Uh, Really, really interesting. And I don't like horror things particularly. Horror's not my genre. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of opening episodes of this it's really interesting different creepy uh very much an updated version of the uh novel changes a number of things but well worth going to watch uh 12th of october for that mm. star wars resistance season one of that this is the new animated series from dave filoni that starts on disney xd on the 13th of october
that at uh, 9.29 because it's Disney XD and they <laughs> start things half hours. Should be really good. Interesting animation style. It's kind of a bit more anime in its animated t- style. But uh, yeah, right. yeah, the uh, the Rebels was a great series, so I'm definitely going to be watching that. Dynasty, as we mentioned, 13th of October for the second season of that. That is back. That's on Netflix. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend also starts on Netflix. That's on the 13th of October. That's for the fourth and final season. Gifted returns on Fox UK for its second season. Uh, I really enjoyed the first season. It's Stephen Moyer and Amy Acker as the parents of of, uh, kids that they discover are mutants and they end up rejoining the mutant underground 14th of October at 9pm on Fox for The Gifted. Black Lightning is back for its second season, 16th of October for that. And The Resident, season two of the medical drama The Resident, that comes on the 16th of October at 9pm on Universal TV. Not short of things to watch this week. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Trailers to watch and shows to watch. Yeah, trailers. All the trailers we talked about earlier, you can go and find up on the website. They're all there for your viewing enjoyment. So go and check all those out. If you want to find out more about uh, more from us, including all the news and air date information, because there's still a ton of that coming in daily, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week to see all the latest information. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, on Instagram at geektownuk. Also should mention we're up on Spotify. If you listen for your podcast on Spotify you can now go and find us on there as well that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye okay bye Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.